Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You already know you're going to eat some of those McDonald's golden fries on the drive home. So, you may as well add an extra order just for that. <laughs> Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. As we've gone through the cut and thrust of a Formula One season, particularly talking about Max's battles with Charles Leclerc week in, week out, most weeks it seems with the current calendar, I don't think the sheer scale of his dominance has yet to be appreciated. After all, he won 12 Grand Prix this year and the sprints in Italy and Austria. We've only had 18 race meetings and he didn't even score any points in two of the first three, Bahrain and Australia. So it has been a dominant run to the championship. Uh, What were the key moments? Was it a season that Max won or that Ferrari lost? And what does it mean for the future of the sport? Let's get up to speed with Autosports' Matt Q. Matt, welcome back to the podcast. Good to have you back on. Feeling fresh and, and ready to sort of recap a good season. The whole crux of the, the report I did about events in Japan was, hang on guys, that was a mega drive to seal the title. Don't let the lap counter and rain delays and safety car crane controversy disguise that. It was a mega drive. So yeah, let's let's uh, throw some praise over over a really, a really incredible season from Verstappen. And let's get into your list then. You wrote uh, for Autosport Plus the top 10 moments you think shaped this season. Number one, the very slippery RB18 breaks cover as Verstappen begins his title defence. Where do we begin? With launch season, and I remember this is, you know, a very personal anecdote, but I I had a train to catch out at Newcastle Station. I was sat in a cafe opposite with a coffee, watching Christian Horner, you know, doing the talk of ready to launch this car and we're getting a proper 
view of what this, you know, massive technical shakeup, what the cars were going to look like. And they pulled it off and it was just the, like the spec model that had been sent around in a new coat of paint. Red Bull, uh, the Aero Kings, thanks to Adrian Newey and that technical team. So basically whatever they were going to do was going to be mega. We we're sure of that, but we didn't see anything until we, until we got to Barcelona and then, Compared to sort of the Mercedes at that point, which looked quite conventional, it had the bigger side pods, if you remember. The other teams, that had, you know, the Aston looked quite bulky. Then we had this Red Bull brake cover that had like almost a bookshelf underneath its side pods because it was such a radical cutout. And just sort of seeing how it looked and then it ran fairly well in testing. Obviously, it's never a real gauge. It just it just looked different and it looked strong. There was mileage, no noise about oh we're going to romp to the spoils quite so dominantly this season, but just a quiet confidence from the team. And also around that time, I remember a few of us we uh, we went and reread a bit of uh, Adrian Newey's autobiography. He was talking about how he uh, how he studied ground effects specifically at university. So thought ah oh, you know the 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 sage of F1 era over the last twenty five years. He's going to be he's going to be mega at this chapter as well. And uh, so it turned out to be. Coming into this era, I think something that doesn't get talked about, because Red Bull don't talk about it too much, and I wonder if that's for a certain reason, was Honda's pulling out of the sport in inverted commas. They didn't disappear overnight. Red Bull powertrains doing their best to take the best and brightest brains from all of their competitors, which of course weakens your competitors and makes you stronger. Allied with a change of philosophy, which we saw... Over the years, Red Bull has always been high downforce, high rake, not necessarily the best power unit in the back with the Renault, but they'd qualify on pole because of all the downforce and scamper off into the distance and control a race through the twisty bits. And this year, we've seen no one can compete with that, uh, that power unit in a straight line. And so just a word on what we saw in testing in terms of this was the first year really of Red Bull powertrains you know parentheses Honda yeah I mean it, it wouldn't have been a very good archaeological dig if you'd got your sort of toothbrush and just sort of scraped away at the Red Bull badge you would have seen a Honda one it was <laughs> it was that Honda engine um you know not not even redone it was just it just sort of taken out there box from Japan and put in a Red Bull but actually you make it you make a good point Martin I'm trying to think what the best example is of the season really maybe somewhere like Hungary where particularly in the V8 era or or right up until 2017 that was a Red Bull track because they just whacked the downforce as high as they could go it didn't matter that the Renault an, uh, engine uh, wasn't as powerful as as the Merc uh, they just went round with the downforce and nailed it whereas it's been sort of the inverse, I suppose, this season, isn't it? That's been Ferrari territory because it has had the lighter car. We didn't quite know at the time uh, how overweight the Red Bull was, 20 kilos, we, we suspect, or how close to it the Ferrari was to sort of create that difference. But yeah, it, it took us a while, I think, to get to grips with that change in philosophy because we have just seen Red Bull as the aero team. Um, but then, you know, you look at the, you looked at the early data traces and you saw that the lighter Ferrari combined with its engine had a real punch at the slow speed corners, but in a straight line after the, you know, breathless Renault engine or the Honda that used to go pop in the back of the McLaren all the time, its top speeds were, were up there. So came to the fore, I suppose, in those early circuits with Bahrain down the back straight with those DRS jewels where we saw that, you know, the new rules designed to make overtaking better. Well, they were sort of working, but the toe and the slipstream wasn't quite as strong unless you had a had Honda uh, engine that could sort of offset that difference. And if you also remember at the time, the, the, the turbo hybrid 
benchmark Mercedes, they're all right down at the bottom of the speed trap. So um, although the, the new rules were designed to bring more midfield runners, a better chance of winning and, and destabilise that top three, that didn't really work. But within the top three, it destabilised how they went quick, if that makes sense. Yeah, perfect sense. Well, at the beginning of the season, we were starting to question the reliability of Red Bull powertrains. And let's get on to moment number two of yours. Verstappen gets payback in the DRS duel with Leclerc. Talk us through this. I thought we were in for a really vintage season when things got going in Bahrain, because if you remember Max and Charles Leclerc right up the front, but not to be too harsh on Max Verstappen, but he, he was totally outsmarted, outwitted by Leclerc that day, because Leclerc... In the battle for the victory, he was deliberately falling behind um, and giving up track position to get DRS and streak back past. And I think they did that three times in Bahrain and the Ferrari was ahead anyway before the um, the, the fuel uh, pressure failure in the, in the uh, Red Bull. And then we get to Saudi Arabia, the long straights and sweeping fast corners, that is suiting the Honda engine better, but it's Leclerc that is uh, looking stronger. And I think, I think if I'm remembering correctly, there were two cases where he does it again to Verstappen, he gets back past. Verstappen at this point has had, what, a full race and let's say two thirds of a race after to sit behind a Ferrari, watch where Leclerc is placing his car through these DRS zones and how he's consuming these rear Pirelli. So, you know, having come off definitely second best and like I say, looking a bit intellectually done over, if you like, by Leclerc, he then does the same into it. It's really aggressive on the brakes into the DRS activation or detection zone in Saudi Arabia, locks up the front, but it's fine because the Ferrari goes slightly ahead, which means Verstappen can press that button, the rear wing flap snaps open and he pulls by in a straight line. So that ability to learn, I think you can also caveat that with the, that was two races of sustained side-by-side action. And this was a Verstappen that was, much cleaner and wheel-to-wheel action than he had been the season before. So a slight change in approach there, a wit in the car, if you like, to, to, to get the better on Leclerc. And that was his first win of the season. Yeah, I completely agree on Max's ability to learn and something that I don't think uh, has necessarily been noted this year. Right, number three, your third big moment of the season. Ferrari engines expire as Verstappen stunts Perez's fine season start. Absolutely. It was a season of not only how well Red Bull and Max Verstappen did, but how much Ferrari and Charles Leclerc dropped the ball, um, obviously more on the team side. So these relate specifically to Spain and Azerbaijan. So if you remember after Australia, uh, Leclerc had absolutely dominated that race and Verstappen had again retired with this fuel system failure. And he said something, obviously it was hyperbole, but he said something along the lines of like, I need 46 race weekends now to catch up to Leclerc, who's so far ahead. And then Spain, again, this, this change of... Uh, form that we've seen where tighter track the Ferrari was the better one unlike you know that was Red Bull territory before and so Leclerc is disappearing into the distance he has that race completely under control and then the Ferrari engine it might be quick out the corners but obviously it was under too much stress and and it went bang basically and and Leclerc uh, uh, pulled over retired from that race and bearing in mind this was a race where Verstappen made one of Three, maybe four notable mistakes this season where in a gust of wind he spun the Red Bull but still came through to win. So there is that offset. But actually it looked like Red Bull could fight back in 
Baku, which again, by this season's guide, would have been a Red Bull track because of the massively long straights. Leclerc is leading well. I think he's 13 seconds ahead and there is an opposite on uh, pit stop strategy. So it's not a guaranteed win like it would have been in Spain. But he's doing well and he's putting in the fastest laps. He's lost his wingman, Carlos Sainz. So there's a question mark over the Ferrari reliability. And also he no longer has a rear buffer because the two Red Bulls are working well together. And then a massive cloud of smoke and the engine goes again. And if you remember, this was the this was the media pen where he's really sort of inconsolable, almost really sort of downbeat. And at this point in the season... Red Bull were great, but there had been operational errors, whether it was slow pit stops or poor starts, dodgy clutch work. You know, I, I wanted to write a column at the time, actually, about Verstappen can win a race by 30 seconds. But my boss probably rightly said, is that a sexy angle to go for? Because, you know, that sort of dominance. But it was there. So you basically had the impression all along that Ferrari don't take their chances. Verstappen will pick up the pieces and Red Bull will come on song anyway. So they really have to hit home their advantage, which they didn't through, uh, didn't do through reliability. And the, the add-on to that for the Baku races, there was this narrative. Uh, well, I know I wrote a cover feature for it for Autosport magazine about, you know, Perez, how much he'd close the gap to Verstappen because the car was heavier, so it understood more. Verstappen hates that. Perez is happy to drive around it. But in the race, he knackered his tyres and Verstappen was allowed to pass by team orders. So it's just that establishment. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still the number one driver. Let's just set that in stone. And so that, that was an important subplot to that Azerbaijan race. Well, we've just come off the back of a delayed race in Japan and... Not the first time this season we had a delayed race because of rain. In fact, we even had the rain knocking out light gantries. Moment number four in the list that you and Alex put together. Uh, The Scuderia strategy shambles relieved the mid-season pressure. Yeah, without trying to be flippant, you could pick a number of races to talk about how Ferrari got the uh, got the calls wrong from the pit wall. But I think the two that stand out are probably the safety car restart in the British Grand Prix. So Leclerc was left out on ageing tyres when there was a window to pit, as Sainz did, and Sainz went on to win. Um, And at that point, you know, you you have to put your eggs in Leclerc's basket, so to speak. So they really fumbled that one. And again, a problem all the way through. And I understand that you're trying to placate your team, not put anyone under undue pressure, but there was a mass reluctance from Ferrari to own up and say we got it wrong. Uh, but they were every, every turn and we were doing analysis pieces go Bonotto said this but this is why he's wrong and we could you know we're not paid as strategists but you could sort of counter argue each one of the points he made in defence and the other one was hungry so if you bear in mind you know no point through the weekend did Ferrari try anything other than a soft and medium tyre so they had no data and then punned all their hopes on the hard and were insanely slow as a result and just gifted Verstappen that victory if you remember as well the context of that that Verstappen and Perez were right down the top 10 Leclerc and Sainz I say in in inverted commas all they had to do all they had to do was get past Russell in the third quickest car Ferrari again they missed that up by betting everything on on a tyre they had zero data to go on Almost halfway through the list, moment number five. You've mentioned Monaco already, but there are more examples of that. That Verstappen was happy not to win. Not sure too happy, but becoming a more perhaps pragmatic world champion. Happy not to win on the rare days when he was second best. What were those days? The one that sticks out again, I'll go from personal experience, has to be Austria. So Red Bull's home race, you know, it's... uh, it's not quite the Italian Grand Prix to Ferrari, but it's it's one you want to win. 
the last time, and say we're talking about this after the Japanese Grand Prix, the last time that Ferrari was properly fastest on a Grand Prix weekend was in Austria. And Verstappen accepted that. So Leclerc got by three times on track and both of them were fair. There were no marginal calls, no no sort of borderline tactics to court controversy with the stewards. Verstappen just raced cleanly and uh, consolidated what was second place in the end. He was helped by Carlos Sainz retiring. Uh, but that was that was a much smoother, smoother race. If you think back to uh, a good example is probably Brazil 2021, you know, more than beyond the border, beyond the cross the line with uh, with the wheel to wheel racing with Hamilton, how much of it is to do with the adversary? We don't quite know, but certainly in wheel to wheel battle this season, whether that was because it was you know karting friend Leclerc, uh, he was happy to do that. It's become a motorsport cliche associated with Alain Prost that you you bank for the the second and third place rather than the win because you're looking at a bigger picture and Verstappen uh, seemed better tuned into that. And the the add-on I want to make is, yes, he's still massively angry all the time with his race engineer when things don't go away, but that is very much heat at the moment in the same way that Hamilton could be accused of being a bit moany when, you know, and he's managed really well by um, Peter Bonington. And and the race engineer is just, that's how their driver works. They, they roll over and take it because they're not the ones driving around at 200 miles an hour. So although that's a public perception that he's still really sort of cross and angry and hot-headed his driving style I think reflects a, a softening of that yeah and I also think that the public face of Max with perhaps the exception of the fuel saga uh, just over a week ago when he, he kind of maintained that anger into you know the pen and the post interviews afterwards I think otherwise we've heard him like at Monaco really angry on the radio or reanimated but then he calms or his, his public persona, he's managing that much more this year as the defending world champion. OK, we'll take a quick break. That's five moments down and five moments still to go. And can you guess what some of them might be? The defining moments of Max Verstappen's world championship year. Stick around there on the way. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, back to the podcast. Second half of our list and a point that I know that our colleague Alex feels really strongly about. um, And that is how Leclerc made errors this year. And the point at number six that you've written, how Leclerc crashed out of the lead at the French Grand Prix. Why was this one of your top 10? This was the moment the title was lost, I think. More similar to Spain and Azerbaijan, uh, Leclerc is leading and Paul Ricard by beyond 20 seconds. He's trying to clear... Um, get a pit stop ahead of basically of um, of of the Red Bull that's already stopped and is behind. I studied the onboards and it just has to go down as a driver error because the lap he crashes, he goes in like five miles an hour hotter 
on a lap older tyres and just ask too much and spits them off. It's a slam dunk driver error. Now, you can argue, and we do argue actually, that because Ferrari had made so many clangers, this was a guy with the weight of the world on his shoulders. He was having to overdrive, if you like, to compensate for, you know, what might be a sticking wheel nut or whatever Ferrari could throw at him. So he does have that added pressure. But it's a single most high profile and I uh, and uh, of the title challenges, the most egregious error of the season. And to give that further context, uh, Verstappen did a champions press conference after Suzuka and he said, yep, after that, I came away with a 63-point lead and I said to myself, if I lose it now, it's a massive clangor. So that was the point, effectively, where it was a countdown in terms of the math, maths until, until Verstappen won. Well, if number six was one of Alex's points, and as you say, perhaps the moment the season was lost, something that you started talking about very early on in the season, which I thought very few others picked up. So huge credit to you for picking up this. And that was about the Red Bull chassis and the new 2022 weight limits. Moment number seven, the updated, lighter and better tailored RB18 emerges. What did you notice and why was it important? Well, the the thought process there, Martin, was not, isn't Verstappen doing well? It was, man, what's happened to Perez? There's been a real steep decline here. Let's let's get to the bottom of that because although there's been a lot of conjecture about Red Bull specifically bringing a lightweight chassis, that's not really what's happened. They've taken a holistic view and taken grams off the car all over. So from being 20 kilos over the 798 kilo weight limit, they were then under it. So basically what that means is because you have to run at the minimum weight limit, you then have to put ballast, so like they used to do in touring cars, success ballast or whatever. But the critical thing is you can choose where to place it and you can totally understand and accept their logic. They favoured Verstappen's driving style. Verstappen, as I alluded to earlier, just loads understeer. He doesn't know what to do when the front end is ploughing wide. But if that's like glue and the the rear end is twitching and trying to break out from him, he's absolutely fine with that. He, he's, he's all over that. So what Red Bull did was put all the weight over the nose of the car to keep those front Pirellis smashed into the surface. That's why Verstappen then found a bit more and why Perez fell back and then and basically as as the races went on we saw that uh, in in Spa why he was so dominant in Monza as well and that's where we just got a confirmation we've seen this is this true yes from Red Bull all right moving on if I had one in the list and I don't because you wrote it it would be this one number eight Verstappen's Spa supremacy overturning a grid penalty setback that was really special tell us about Spa Absolutely. So Spa, as we've seen, you get this ridiculous number of energy penalties because you get dropped to the back of the grid, but you think you can probably make your way up. Verstappen was on pole by six tenths of a second, which is just sensational, ridiculous, stupid even. Perez was eight tenths behind. So that was the difference between driver and driver in in the same machinery that season, uh, that day, eight tenths of a second. But anyway, doesn't matter. Verstappen's starting 14th. uh, Pierre Gasly decides to start from the pit lane, so he's then starting 13th. And it takes him 12 laps to take the lead. Just incredible speed uh first lap no 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 heroics he just kept away from Lance Stroll who's really in the nitty-gritty and if you remember uh Lance Stroll goes wide kicks a load of dust into Verstappen's face and Verstappen can't see rips off his tear off and that shoots straight into the brake duct of Leclerc's car so he has to pit so you know the Ferrari <laughs> can't amazing, do right for doing it? right yeah and it, it, uh, incredible commitment and I know you get the F1 uh, occasional F1 conspiracy theory whoever could have worked that one out then kudos to them that, that, that was quite some move 
But yeah, 12 laps to get to the front. Incredibly fast. And then uh, I haven't got the data right in front of me because I'm poorly prepared. But I think he's getting on for about half a minute ahead, isn't he? So it's just just a sen- just a sensational performance. Um, and the slight add-on to that is that he then does something fairly similar. I think it's coming from seventh, isn't it, to win in, in Monza. And at that point, the championships are both more or less over. So what a Ferrari aiming for? Oh, a nice home win. No, Max is there again. So uh, at Autosport, you have the report, which is mainly objective, and then your opinion column. But we, we felt so sure about the performance in Spa that even in the more objective report, we were calling it his greatest F1 drive to date. Wow. Well, of course... For so many people uh, who are supporting you know, their man in the Netherlands, they do have a hero the whole country can get behind. They just voted Abu Dhabi as the television moment of the last 12 months. The country go wild for Supermax. And moment number nine is when Verstappen secures a second home win and Ferrari would denied another. Tell us about your ninth moment getting the home win in front of uh, in front of the in front of the fans again another commanding performance and again the whole season narrative has been Red Bull versus Ferrari and if you remember Martin that was a race where Verstappen's biggest threat to the win was the Mercedes so it's just another one as as Verstappen pulled away Ferrari took a step back just to sort of really affect the momentum swing but you know whether it was a late safety car and I know again that was a bit frustrating because that seemed to scupper Mercedes hopes particularly in in the, the final safety car anyway Verstappen had it covered and again it was a pretty poor showing from Perez just to show that if you have the car in the middle okay you can accept that Perez is maybe underrating below par Verstappen was still well above par if you like he wasn't just driving at the car's level he was he was like exceptional proper team leader that, that's the thing I've tried to argue about Japan is that that was a culmination of Ferrari not being very good with their front tyres anyway they're being bad with their rear tyres now after the technical directive yes the Red Bull's got lighter you have all of those factors but you still have to separate all of those and go Verstappen was mega on that day and Zanvoort was another case in point I felt Well, let's finish off then. Moment number 10. We've just witnessed it this past weekend, just gone. He pulled out an incredible lead in the wet and he was composed. Champions drive is the cliche. But uh, number 10, the confusing Japanese Grand Prix and the Leclerc penalty that sealed Verstappen's second title. A wild weekend in terms of the rules and actually the rules are fine it's how we everyone understood them but ultimately that was I think you wrote in another one of your pieces a mesmeric performance and I thought it's such a wonderful way of describing it because I really was hypnotized by his performance moment number 10 tell us about it okay you can add another one of the excuses if you like to why Verstappen was so good that he was in first place in the wet weather so had clear visibility but one and a half seconds a lap average, average over Leclerc, which is incredible. Okay, Leclerc was only showing sort of top six pace. So let's take the next benchmark, which was Perez. The usual gap between Perez and Verstappen this season has been about four tenths. Verstappen was a second a lap faster. So in, in the low grip conditions, basically the difference in driver was 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 doubled again really in the same machinery brilliant didn't put a foot wrong uh the sad people we are that to do the drive ratings you basically end up watching the whole race again just from his onboard luckily for that one there was only 28 laps as opposed to 53 but 
There's no drama. There's no running wide. There's no tire lockups. It's fantastic. Um, I would argue that it was slightly uh, needed from a driver ratings point of view after Saturday where he was clumsy with his positioning of the car in Q3 to have that very near miss with Norris. And he ran wide to damage his car and left the door open for uh, Leclerc to see his pole. And again, we come back to the, for everything Red Bull did good, Ferrari essentially did bad. And that was the, the door was left ajar. Leclerc, oh, what's the twisted metaphor here? Didn't walk through it by claiming pole. <laughs> and then, of course, was slow, cooked the rears, too robust in his defence uh, with Perez. In the eyes of the stewards, I should add, I thought it was it was borderline. As reflected the whole season, Verstappen did what he could. One was exceptional, albeit he missed fastest lap. And then just the sort of, the, the, the snapshot of 2022 was that Ferrari... Or an element of Fry doing something getting wrong and that resulted in a penalty, which as we eventually found out, I mean, look, look, look Verstappen was still questioning it until basically he got onto the podium that that made him champion. So, uh, you know, going by the form of 2022 with driver, team operational excellence in the car. Verstappen is likely to become a three-time world champion. As I signed off my report, maybe it'd be a third time lucky in a case of he might just do it normally next time instead of controversy and and, and farce. Well, uh, yeah, Sebastian Vettel won his second Red Bull title uh, here in Japan. We've just been to Japan and that's exactly what Verstappen did. So uh, Vettel won his third in Brazil. We'll see if next year that's where Verstappen wraps up his, his third, but we'll, we'll wait and see. Now, as an insight to all of our listeners uh, as to when we record these things, as uh, Matt said at the beginning, about 24 hours after it, it, it finished, if you have heard my phone beeping and vibrating in the background, and I've tried to stop it, it's because we're recording this around 4pm on Monday when the FIA have just announced the news that nine teams uh, got their cost cap uh, certificate. Aston Martin breached it for procedural reasons and Red Bull Racing breached it for minor overspend reasons. Hence why everyone's been texting uh, with with the news. Not that it was particularly pertinent to anything that uh, was on this podcast, but there we go. That will be the subject for another day, I'm sure. But an, an insight into uh, when, we, when we record these things. Uh, hey, Matt, what uh, races are you going to be attending uh, for the rest of the season, just so we know? Alex will be your scribe for America and Mexico, and then uh, Luke and I are heading out to Brazil and then hopping straight across to Abu Dhabi for the season end. And Luke, who is a particular sucker for punishment, will be staying out for the test afterwards as well. Well, that is another Autosport podcast. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for future editions uh, with Jonathan No on our next one as he digs into the reason why there was so much confusion after Suzuka. A double bubble. We didn't know when the race was finished, hence why Verstappen was still full throttle all the way up to the Degners, and why we didn't know he was the world champion when he crossed the line. But stay tuned for that one. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones finding new ways to ensure the job always gets done. For the ones wearing many hats. For the ones who are hands-on even from far away, and the ones keeping business moving forward. We are Granger, offering professional-grade industrial supplies, plus real-time product availability and access to experts ready to answer your toughest questions. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.